Nehemiah 1, verse number 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Haniah, one of my brethren, came, and he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. And the the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe him, his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now. Day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that Thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the palace, and unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cup bearer. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you for who you are. We take in this moment in... The early, well, first month of 2024, I pray that our hearts would be set upon you in this upcoming year as a church. I pray that you would challenge us, each and every one, that we realize and understand that as long as you tarry, as long as we live upon this earth, we're moving forward. But, Lord, we just pray that we could faithfully move forward in the truth and direction of your precious word. We love you, God, and we thank you for who you are. We pray that you would touch our families those that are sick and afflicted, that were not able to be here with us. We thank you for our visitors who have come to uh, worship with us this morning. And God, most importantly, if there's anyone here that does not know you, I pray that they would come before it's eternally too late and accept your son Jesus as their Savior. In his name I do pray, amen. Amen, thank you for standing. We give you the scripture that even as we said a couple weeks ago had been Preached on by Brother Gary Locklear. Painting the picture, he set, a, uh, he set a foundation and an introduction for where we begin today. And we think of Nehemiah and where he was at. We realize Nehemiah is living in a world 
where Israel, his uh, genetic people, his, uh, his heritage, Israel had fallen into a position where because of their sin and their turning away from God and the truth of God and his word and his commandments and what he expected, uh, they fell into exile and they fell into captivity. And what's amazing about God is that he promised preservation for Israel and he told them that they would be exiled, they would fall under captivity if they didn't abide and live by his words and he made those things true. But yet we also see in stories found in, in your Bible that God um, exalted and lifted up his faithful people wherever they were. Uh, we preached about Esther recently, one of the uh, greatest narratives and stories in the Word of God. And you see how God exalted Esther. And we see here how God had exalted Nehemiah up to the position of the king's cupbearer. And uh, that was a, 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 a very honorable position. That was a very high position. That was a very influential position. And God was using a Jew somewhere else that was faithful to him to serve him. And so we know that, that, that God's love... Is, is not held back. God's mercy is not held back. God's plan is not held back. God, your usefulness to God is not held back based off of where you are, but it rather is your willingness to serve him and to abide by his word. And so Nehemiah, he has been one found faithful, and he is one that, that served the Lord and loved the Lord, and God exalted and God used. But we see his eyes and his heart turned back to Israel. We see in verse 2, the end of verse 2. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. While there was captivity, while Jerusalem was in enemy hands, if you will, there was a remnant, we'll read here in just a moment, a remnant of people there in Jerusalem that still loved God and still served the Lord, but it was a remnant. There was just scattered about few people there in Jerusalem serving and loving and living for God. Verse 3, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. So we see Nehemiah here, the story so far, his people are facing some hard times. Nehemiah is in an exalted and lifted up position placed there by God and in a position that he could have stayed in and just held to for the rest of his life. And uh, he, he was in the most influential position there aside from being the king. I mean, he had a lot to lose. But when he hears the story of what's going on with his people, not even just the entire nation, not a, not a Jerusalem full of his people, but just a remnant, a small number of people there in Jerusalem, you find that Nehemiah's heart breaks for those people of his kindred and those people that he loves. His heart breaks for those people. And so this morning I want to present Nehemiah's dedication and his, his commitment to loving and praying and living in God's word and, and dedicating himself to serving the Lord and dedicating himself to restoring what was once wonderful and what was once beautiful there in Jerusalem. And how throughout this series we hope that we can paint a picture and build a foundation of what it's going to take for Mountain View Baptist Church to rebuild what needs to be rebuilt, to reestablish what needs to be reestablished, to, to settle ourselves, to be people like Nehemiah that are committed to the remnant of people that want to serve the Lord. 
And so today, this morning, I want to point your attention first. We're going to look at three things this morning. Obviously, I'm a Baptist preacher. We're always going to look at three things. First thing being the day of reproach. The day of reproach in verse 3. And then we're going to look at the heart of repentance in verse 4 and verse 5. And then in verse 6, we're going to look at the hope for redemption. So the day of reproach, verse 3, the heart of repentance, verse 4 and 5, and the hope for redemption in verse 6. First there in verse 3, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Two true things that Nehemiah found out about Jerusalem. That, that, that home of hope and the home of heritage and the place that God had established and the place God had exalted kings and the place God had grown up faithful people to his word and his law. Two things that Nehemiah knew about that. First of all, that they're living in a day of lonely service there in Jerusalem. Lonely service. There was a remnant of people, meaning there wasn't a multitude of people it wasn't the majority of people there in Jerusalem that were, were there suffering affliction for the cause of God. It was a remnant. It was a small number of people. So they were living in a day of lonely service. If you're, if you're going to go to Jerusalem, and this is, where, well, this is what uh, Nehemiah is going to pray to the Lord about and what eventually uh, he's going to go do is go serve and live and, and rebuild the walls and the gates in Jerusalem. And, and here's Nehemiah. If he's going to go serve there, it's going to be lonely. It's going to be lonely. The second thing is that we're not only, he was not only living in days of lonely service, but he's living in a day of decayed landmarks. The Bible tells us that the walls were broken down and the gates were burned with fire. Now, if you've been to Israel, and I've talked to people that have, you see these walls of Jerusalem, they're an amazing thing to see. Because you, you realize and you see that even though I, I don't know if they're entire, entirely left, I'd have to ask maybe Brother Sam that's been there, but uh, there are certainly places where you can see uh, walls that had been rebuilt and most of the, most of the time medieval age uh, uh, stuff that had been rebuilt during the Crusades. But these walls had a significance because that was the sign of protection. And a wall achieves keeping things out, keeping things in. It achieves the, uh, the, it prevents the worry of being attacked in the middle of the night. It gives you a vantage point to look down on those seeking to besiege you. A wall is an effective thing. So, so strategically, but also spiritually, the walls of Jerusalem being broken was a heartbreaker for the Jewish people. Because all that had been built up and established had been torn down. The gates, which allow you the ability to trade and get people in and get people out, that little sliver of the wall that's dedicated to a gate that can be opened, could be closed, was burned down. I mean, he's living in a day where he's thinking about this home and he's going to be praying about this home he's going to go back to. And not only is there just a few people there serving God, left serving God, but the walls and the gates are destroyed. That's only a story where it would be the direction of God that somebody would be able to go back in their right mind. Amen? What I'm here to tell you this morning is we're thinking of this thought faithfully moving forward. 
Mountain View Baptist Church going into tomorrow. I'm going to ask for a commitment. You know, I'm not going to ask for you to get up or do anything. I mean, follow the Spirit's direction. But I'm not going to ask anything specific, so don't get worried. But what individually I'm going to ask of you, Mountain View Baptist Church, is a commitment to faithfully move forward in the future following the Lord and His Word and His direction. But it starts with first realizing it's, it's easy to want to move forward when it's the cool thing. It's easy to want to move forward when it's the socially acceptable thing. It's easy to move forward when, when, when we've got facilities and we've got buildings and we've got all these amazing things and we've got all this to start with. But what I would propose to you this morning is that serving God this morning is a lonely service. Actually and genuinely living for God is lonely these days. Because out of all the people that say they're Christian people, there is, it's not the majority of those people that genuinely are serving the Lord. It's always been that way. There is a remnant of people. And thank the Lord, we've got, a, we've got a strong remnant of people here. Out of the greater spectrum of all the people that would say that they're Christians, there's a remnant of people that are truly serving and truly living. And how do you know that that remnant is genuinely serving and genuinely, genuinely living? Because they're suffering affliction and reproach. If you identify with Christ and you're trying to live for Christ, you're going to suffer some affliction and reproach. Your life is not going to get easier by becoming a Christian. These people want to sell that. You're going to become a Christian, you're going to become a millionaire, and you're going to have all I have, and you're going to get a new car and get a big house. That's not the case. A lot of times, it costs Christians everything they have, as Brother Gary preached that morning about the, the, the gospel costing something. It's going to cost Christians something to serve God. I tell you, it's worth it. And we'll see that Nehemiah found out that it's worth it. But it's a lonely service. So before we make any commitments to, I want to faithfully move forward, I want to be honest about the fact that it's a lonely service. There's not a, a, a bajillion people. The whole world is not genuinely serving Jesus. I wish they were, but they're blinded by sin. Also, if you're going to commit to faithfully moving forward like Nehemiah does, to, he, he commits eventually to go and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and to, uh, to establish uh, God's city again and to rebuild the gates and to, to, to strengthen the remnant and to, to grow the kingdom. Not only is it going to be lonely, but there's some decayed landmarks. And we could probably stay on this all day because think about 2020. The way it used to be is simply that, the way it used to be, amen? Things are not like they used to be. People ain't living like they used to. Uh, I've said here before, people, I think back, back in the good old days, people were just good at better at hiding uh, how they really live than they are today. You start listening to the stories, the good old people's just as wicked in the, in the good old days. Now, I know things were different. I remember a different time, and I ain't that old. But what I'm saying is, the good old days are long gone. We are living in a wicked world, and society is driven by media. Society is driven by uh, what's acceptable by Hollywood and these other people. And what's acceptable there drives what's fed to you and your children. Amen? we got some decayed landmarks. The things that grandma and grandpa worked so hard to establish and build up, they have been burned down and have been destroyed. That's just the truth. 
The reality is if you're going to commit to faithfully moving forward here at Mountain View Baptist Church, you're going to have to realize it's going to be a lonely thing. And also, the things that have been worked so hard to be established in our society, they've been destroyed. But good thing I don't live on society. I think it's a good thing to try to reestablish uh, the home, the nuclear family. I think it's a great thing to, to, to try to reestablish uh, integrity and honor among people. I mean, people just don't have, I mean, people don't care anymore. Uh, I, I, we, we had an issue in the past few weeks with something with our car, and it wasn't our fault, and something happened, and it was the, the strangest thing I've ever seen. And I was disappointed by everyone that I came across because of how they dealt with me. I mean, it let me down. People don't care. They do not care. As long as they get their money, as long as they can get done with you fast, they don't care. Not, you know, not everybody. I know you here care. You care so much. It's the caringest people I ever met. But people out there don't care, amen? And I told, I told my dad, I said, everybody says I'll do this or I'll do that, and it doesn't get done. Empty commitments. Empty commitments. You know why? We're living in a, decay of, a day of decayed landmarks. People's word don't mean what it used to mean. Grandma and grandpa that would shake your hand and look you in the eye and say, hey, I'll do this, and I mean, didn't matter what time, night or day, they'd, they'd do it, wouldn't they? They'd worry them sick if something didn't get, didn't get done. If, if they felt like they couldn't honor their word, it would destroy them. They'd toss and turn at night. Hey, those landmarks, they're, they're, they're dying away. They've been broken down. United States Postal Service came down my driveway yesterday. I said, praise God, rain, sleet, or snow, the, the mail must go. Somebody did what they said they was going to do. We have snow at my house, just FYI. We ain't, we ain't in tuxedo. It ain't dry. Somebody did what they said. And that encouraged me. I'm like, well, there's somebody this week. And I had, to get a, I had to repent a little bit, I'll be honest with you. Been disappointed, too disappointed by things I shouldn't be disappointed by because stuff's just stuff. But it taught me a lesson. I want to be somebody, and we talked about this this past week, my dad and I, my wife and I, let your yay be yay or your nay be nay. So what I'm going to tell you this morning is that I want you individually to commit to Mountain View Baptist Church as a member of this church. That you're going to work together in the reestablishing of the remnant, in the strengthening of the remnant, in the building up of the remnant. That's these little children in this church that we establish something for them. And also that we together are going to rebuild the landmarks. That while nobody else in this community, nobody else in this county, nobody else in my county, nobody else in this state, nobody else in our country, they may not live up to their word. They not, may not abide by what God's word says. They may not look to his word for guidance on how they should treat people. But you at Mountain View Baptist Church do. Because you're faithfully moving forward looking for the guidance and the truth of Christ. That's what Nehemiah did. He, realized, hey, he knew there's lonely, lonely service there. He knew there's decayed landmarks. But guess what? That broke his heart. Rather than making him angry and frustrated and just giving him something to gripe about, it broke his heart. So we see the day of reproach there. But next, look at verse 4, the heart of repentance. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. 
and said, I, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. So we see this day of reproach. It's a lonely day. It's a decayed day of reproach. Even this day we're living in today is such a dark and a dreary day. And, and it's, it's, you watch commercials and you watch uh, um, movies and you listen to the radio and you see what's out there. We're living in a decayed day, a decayed society. It's lonely service being a genuine Christian, uh, trying to truly serve the Lord. And thank God we've got a faithful church of people that I can come and get strength from. But when you walk out into this world, it gets lonely. Amen? Should that, that, should that turn our hearts to wrath because it's lonely or repentance? Say, well, I didn't do, I'm not doing what they're doing. It's exactly what the devil wants you to think. He loves getting us in a position where we think, well, I ain't doing like the world. I said it recently. Why do we expect so much from the world? We get surprised when the world does what the world does and has always been doing. And it offends us. Now, now I understand being offended by sin. But also, I think it's ignorant to expect more from the world who don't know Jesus. We expect them to look like Jesus when they don't know Jesus. In essence, we need to be expecting from the church. What we, the truth that we know dwells within the church. We expect too much from the world and not enough from the church. We're a remnant because of that. We're a remnant because we've expected more from the world than from the church. Now, I challenge you, church, let's be in prayer because we've got an election year coming up, right? It makes a difference. It makes a difference on how we live and how we can afford things and how we can do business. It, it makes a difference. But do not miss the fact that without God, we're doomed. That if we put more faith in who we can put in office, then centering Jesus Christ as the purpose and the goal of this church or the growth and the goals of our personal lives. We're doing, we're doing ourselves no good. We expect things of the world to fix problems that God can handle if his church will get right. That's a side note. The heart of repentance here. First, what's it going to take? Let's see what Nehemiah, what it took for Nehemiah to get Nehemiah in a position where he could go and he could serve in Jerusalem and Rebuild the remnant and reestablish the remnant. Rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates. What does it take? It takes a heart of repentance. We have no right to have a heart of wrath about the world being the world. It should break our hearts. And also another thing is we're not called to tolerance. We are not called to tolerate sin at all. But we are not enabled to be jerks about it. Amen? I don't agree with you. I don't believe biblically you're doing, doing right, but I love you. How many people you reach beating them over the head with your legalistic viewpoints? Or how many people have been reached by beating them over the head by the truth of the word of God? It takes love to, to prick someone's heart. But love should not mean that we are not honest about sin. Side note again, I'm sorry. We need a heart of repentance. 
That's what Nehemiah had. First, we need to have a broken heart. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. Nehemiah's response to what was going on in Jerusalem was not anger that they were in captivity. Because Nehemiah understood why they were in captivity because of sin. Nehemiah's response to what was going on in Jerusalem about the affliction of God's people and the destruction and the burning down of the gates and the walls was he sat down, and I believe it exhausted him. And he sat down and he cried out. He wept. He began to weep. When's the last time we have wept for sinners? Now, I know one sinner I weep about. I weep about me all the time. But God dealt with me about When's the last time I've wept over people outside of these doors? People that may come inside these doors, they don't know Jesus. When's the last time I've wept over sinners? If we want to faithfully move forward, Mountain View Baptist Church, with success, reaching people for the gospel, we're going to have to get a heart of repentance for ourselves and begin weeping and crying out for the lost. That's what built foundations in days gone by was because there were some people that were willing to cry out to God and weep for the lost. You realize today, and, and we use this example, little, little old ladies. There's a lot of faithful men. We're living in a day, you can look at our Facebook analytics. You can look at our podcast analytics. I can show them to you if you're a nerd like that. I like it. It's neat. But you know what our Facebook analytics and our podcast analytics tell me? That 70%... 70% of the people who engage in our, in our podcasts, in our videos, and our audio sermons are women. And thank the Lord that women are listening to what we're putting out there. But there's 30% of men out there that are listening. But the reality is, is that's what the issue is in our society and in our churches, is that as time has went on, that trend has affected the pew. Or the chair. Are you following me? Men have slipped out of the church. And when men, hey, these women can't do it. Because God didn't call them to lead it. But thank God they're being faithful. They're holding things together when the men are falling off of the face of the earth. And in days gone by, oh, it's quiet in here, praise the Lord. Days gone by, there were I'd say it's 50-50. Why? Because every heart beating in a woman's chest had a man on her side with his heart beating in his chest there to serve God. That's the way I remember church. Very few single women coming to church by themselves praying that their husband got right. Man, y'all loving this this morning. Men, we got to step up. I'm not telling you you got to go listen to the podcast. Come to church. Get in here and get real. And I'm, not, I'm not harping on you, men. But, and I'm not harping on women that you can't, you can't do these things. I hear churches, and I've preached at churches. I've been a, a possible candidate at churches. We don't, we don't have men to be deacons. There's men out there. Women can't do it alone, men. Men can't do it alone, women. We've got to do it together. Now, hey, it, it, it is what it is. 
And we're just going to work with what we got. And there's a lot of faithful people in this church, couples, and I appreciate it. But that's, that's, the, that's what the analytics are telling us, is that there's a separation. And our remnant today, I believe, is created because of complacency. People have just got careless and got cold. And men, we have a tendency to try to fix it ourselves, don't we? Things ain't right, I'm going to go handle it. I'll go get, a, go get a job, make enough money to handle it. You find out that won't do anything for you. Well, I'll handle it. I'll go do, do this or chase this. We chase everything but God. And that's why we are where, where we are today in our remnant. Now, I'm not speaking about what Nehemiah was going through. But we need to have a broken heart. And men and women, boys and girls, we need to have a broken heart for lost people. We need to have a broken heart for those that are outside of this church. Those that need to get back in. Those that, that, that haven't been in, in years. Those that, that we know out in the community, they don't go to church at all anymore. And the devil loves giving excuses. Well, I don't go because of this. Don't go because of that. That's a terrible reason, whatever it is. This is the place where we can rebuild and we can reestablish and he can heal anyone and he can, he can help you through any situation. But we've all got to commit to getting real and to be repentant. We need to have a broken heart. And then at verse 5, he says, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. We need a heart of repentance that, ha that is broken. We need a heart of repentance that is also beseeching. You know what that means? That's a pleading heart. Nehemiah didn't leave it with his tears. He put that into action by saying, Lord, I'm beseeching you and I'm begging you and I'm calling out to you and I'm asking you, you're going to have to handle this situation. You're the great and terrible God. You're the God that keeps his commandments uh, to, the, to those that love him, who, those who are faithful. See, Nehemiah didn't read, need to remind God that he was a covenant God. Amen? He didn't. But he said, Lord, I remember the covenant. Sometimes we forget what God's told us. Amen? We come to God, well, I can't figure it out, I can't figure it out, I can't figure it out. Nehemiah said, I know you're the great and the terrible God. I know that you are the God of covenants. I know that you've given promises. I know that we're in this situation because of how we've fallen into sin. But God, I want to plead the blood today. And I want to ask you, I want you to see me calling out to you with a heart of repentance, beseeching on behalf of my friends and my family in Jerusalem. That's what it's going to take, church is that we have a heart of repentance, that we weep, that we cry, that we repent. We'll get to that just a little bit real, real quick in just a second. That we cry out for the sins of ourselves and the sins of God's people. We need a heart of repentance and we need a beseeching heart. God, I know what you've done. So many times, it, it's, well, it just ain't like it used to be. We're kicking the old proverbial can down the street. Ain't like it used to be. It can be. But it takes a heart of repentance. And it takes a beseeching heart. To call out on to God. There's a number of things that can cause me to weep. But how many of those things cause me to call out to the God, the one that can handle it? Because I know he's handled it before. The heart of repentance. Last thing this morning. The hope for redemption. The hope for redemption. Follow this with me here. 
Nehemiah's went through this journey of, of the day of reproach. He sees what's going on in Jerusalem. He's got a heart of repentance. He's weeping and he's crying and he's praying. We see his hope for redemption come forth here in verse 6. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night. I'm going to ask you this question, church. How many of you in here, nobody's going to judge you, but by the raise of your hand, say, I want to faithfully move forward here at Mountain View Baptist Church, and I want to see God's move on this church. I want to commit myself to serving God and being who I need to be so that I can go and restore the remnant, that I can go and strengthen the kingdom, that we could reestablish and we could rebuild the walls of things that have fallen. How many of you would say that with me? I want to be that person. Amen. I've got a few things this morning. What did it take for Nehemiah to be that person? And what will it take for us to be those people? First thing. God needs someone committed to that heart of repentance. See, Nehemiah, he says, I pray before thee now day and night. A broken heart will stay with you. And God needs us to be broken hearted about sin. And if we get broken hearted about sin, it's going to be something that we carry with us day and night. We're so guilty of seeing things on the news or seeing things on the road or hearing things about what's going on and we've been so numbed to so, such wicked things even as Christian people that we hear bad things and we feel bad for a second and then we're okay. We need to be broken hearted at the sight and the sound of sin and it needs to take us to depths of prayer that we're pleading with God day and night. We need some people, if we want to be those people that we want to commit to and who I want to be and who I know you want to be, it's going to take us committing to the fact that we need to be brokenhearted about sin. It's not my job to judge sin. It's my job to be honest about sin. It's my job to point, uh, say, you know, be honest and point out what sin is and point people to what the Bible says sin is. But ultimately, my responsibility is to call out to God and ask for His forgiveness on things that ain't even my fault. Because I'm no better than anyone else. We'll get to that in just a second. God needs someone committed to that heart of repentance. God needs someone that's calling out on behalf of his children. The second part of this, or the, really the third part of this verse, he says, I, I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants. God needs someone calling out to him on behalf of his children. You see, Nehemiah, he took it upon himself to pray for others. He, he took, it, took it on himself, and we'll see here in just a second, and confess the sins of the children of Israel. God needs someone who will call out on behalf of his children. And God needs someone who is honest about their sin and will confess of their sin. To say, Lord, I know they, not in a judgmental way. I like pointing out people's sins. God, you see that? I didn't miss it. I know you see everything, but I was just making sure. You see them? Anybody ever done that? Can I get an old me? Old me. But what God needs is that broken heart that says, God, I'm calling out on behalf of the United States of America. I'm calling out on behalf of the, the, the state of North Carolina, except for Raleigh. I'm just kidding. I'm calling out on, on the 
on, on the counties of Western North Carolina. I'm called out on behalf on, uh, of Henderson County. I'm calling out, Lord, to you on behalf of Tuxedo. And I know that you know these people in all these zip codes and down all these roads and all these places. You know each and every person. And what an amazing thing that it is that you know them. It's amazing that you could count the hairs upon their head. It's amazing that you knew them before the foundation of the earth. It's amazing that you've blessed them. It's amazing that you've touched them. It's amazing that you love them. But God, if there's any sin for them, Lord, please forgive them. Please deal with them. Please touch them. God, please show them your mercy. God, please please deal with them about how they've done wrong. Please point them to you. Please show them repentance. God, please draw them to a, a local Bible-believing church. If we would pray those prayers, it would flip this nation upside down, and what goes on in November wouldn't even matter. That's what we're clinging to, amen, is what we can do to fix the problem it takes God to fix. If we would just seek God and beseech Him and cry out to Him and beg Him, God, it's going to take you. I'm going to have a heart of repentance. God, I'm going to call out. I didn't commit these sins, but I'm just as wicked as they are. You see, when we start feeling self-righteous, man, I heard the, the, this example. The Ten Commandments. The book of James, we see if you offend one of the laws of God or you commit one sin, you're guilty of them all. We are no better. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. If I think my sin's better, gluttony, that's not a sin in a Baptist church, is it? Nope. Now, getting divorced, you're drinking alcohol, you're going straight to hell. But gluttony, hey, am I right? Sin is sin, folks. Doesn't matter. My bitterness, I'm as guilty as a murderer. My lust, I'm as guilty as a glutton. My gluttony, I'm as guilty as anyone else. A sin is a sin. A man said this, he said, Imagine the Ten Commandments are a chain hanging you over the fires of hell. And nine out of the ten loops in the chain are made out of solid steel, but one is made out of paper mache. That one offense, that one sin, that one wrongdoing, that will cause you to fall. Amen? That's the reason if I can get in the right space where I'm not praying self-righteously about someone else's sin, but with a broken heart, call out to God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I don't know what it is that they've done. It's not my job to confess for their sins. But God, I love you, and I love them enough that I'm going to pray that you deal with them, that you forgive them, that you touch them, that you have mercy upon them, that you guide them and you lead them. If we want to move forward in Mountain View, what it's going to take is not just Mountain View to grow closer to Christ, but Tuxedo and Zirconia to grow closer to Christ. That's it, folks. We get, we get caught up on my four and no more. Just this church. If we can just get right in here. No, no. If we want to faithfully move forward for the future of this church, the future of this kingdom of God that we're, we're endeavoring for, it's going to take us to cry out to God on this, for this church and this community. He needs someone confessing the sins of others, as we saw there. In verse D, verse D. Verse 6, part D, the last part of the verse. We have sinned against thee. 
both I and my father's house have sinned. God is going to need someone that's convicted by their sins.